Hello, Steve. Whoa, hey, oh, hi. What's, uh, what's going on there, little fella? You don't recognize me, Steve? You, you look, you... What, it's what? your podcasting partner, Jason. Yeah, how, what, have, what have you done to yourself? I'm, it's obvious. I'm, I'm a goblin yeah, now. Yeah, you've shrunk yourself down to goblin size. And I said I'm walking on my knees. It yeah. hurts. Oh, okay. So you. So is this... Okay, why don't you just stand up and come sit down and we'll just do the podcast? I said I was a goblin oh. now. Okay, sorry. So what should I do? Should I offer Become you... Become a goblin should, too. You, you want me to be... I Can't I just offer you my little brother? I do have a little brother. No, you don't. He's like thirty. He's like thirty-six, but you can have him. Great, bring him over. Okay. You step in this stuff and you stay forever. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Hardy, and I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is. It's, uh, there's a lot of kids that like it. Yes. Well, there's a lot of kids that grew up with it. There's a lot How of, about that? There's a lot of adults who liked it as kids and still like That's it. That's right. But they, boy, oh boy, I have the facts right here. No one seemed to like it when it came out. No, no, no. That's why there was not a Labyrinth 2. Mm-hmm. What would be a Labyrinth? What would Labyrinth 2 be? The Return of Jareth? Sure. I think the next the next labyrinth should be a different rock star. Oh yeah, well, who would you get to replace Bowie though? Jagger. Hey, he, he looks halfway too too goblin would, as it is right now. Need any In makeup? Fact, I don't know why he wasn't the Goblin King in this movie. That's true. It makes more sense. And you and know, who, what about the lead singer from Aerosmith? Steven Tyler. Well, he'd be more for like Steven he'd Tyler. Be, he'd be better for like a mummy. Why would he be better with that mouth? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. You know, it'd make a good mummy. Who? Um, no, his his name just went. I had it. I reached for it, and it got away from me. It flew away on the wind. Keith Richards. No, fine. yeah, Keith Richards would make a great mummy. He really would. I'm Iggy Pop. I was uh, Iggy Pop. Of. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, Iggy Pop would make a great Frankenstein. Yeah, Iggy Pop would be a good Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. Who would make a good Invisible Man? It would just be... It would, or we just recast all the Universal <laughs> Monsters rock stars. rock stars. If Iggy Pop was Frankenstein, it would take me a little bit to get used to the fact that Frankenstein was never wearing a shirt. But other than that... Yeah, but I, you know, I'd, I'd accept it. Once I adjusted to that, I think it would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and Tom Waits as the Wolfman. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the Invisible Man could be the lead singer from Crash Test Dummies because he has a nice deep voice. I'm talking about classic rock. No, okay. fuck Crash Test Dummies. Well, I'm kidding. Billy name. Joel is the Billy Joel is the Invisible Man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face facts. Billy Joel is a Renfield. There's no That's, getting yeah. Billy him. Joel would be right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <sighs> Actually, if you wanted someone who could match the performance in the original The Invisible Man, Elton John. You think? Sure. Okay, I can kind of see that. The man, the man, sang in a duck costume. <laughs> we'll just put some bandages on him. He'd be great. Yeah, you'd be great. See? Hey, Steve, what movie are we reviewing? <laughs> we are reviewing that classic 1980s fantasy musical kind of movie? No, no, sort no, no, no. of? Uh, musical family Yeah, thing. something like that. Labyrinth. 
Yay, Labyrinth. Now everyone's thinking, oh, it's Jim Henson. It's the Muppets. It's one of Jason's favorites. No. Hey, Steve, do you have any trivia? (laughs) I do. I do have Labyrinth. I have some Labyrinth trivia. Yes, I do. Okay, go for it. So throughout the movie, the Goblin King has this thing that he does where he like has spheres in his hand. You're stealing from this. And he kind of, well, I, well, I, we didn't go over this beforehand, okay? So you can't blame me for this. Whatever, Steve. Just do what you're he, ha- he does do this do thing with anyway. spheres where he, like, twirls the spheres around in his hands. Yes. And uh, David Bowie's not actually doing that himself, but it's also not a visual effect. What they did was one of the film's choreographers, Michael Motion, was uh, a master juggler. And he would stand behind. There David, he is, right there in my notes. And he, you did, juggler, my, and he would stand Michael behind. Michael Motion. He would stand behind David Bowie <sighs> and stick his arm out in front of him, and he would do the sphere work. Um, yeah, he'd fondle the balls. He'd fondle the balls, and because he had to be directly behind David Bowie, so we couldn't see him in the shot, he had to do it without being able to see his hands. So, pretty impressive, wouldn't you say? Just do the next thing you're going to steal out of my bed. I, you Just know what? This next one, I, this next one might actually be something I'm stealing from you. I don't. I, yeah, I honestly, I, surprise. I, I honestly don't know. Um, nine fucking years. Nine years of this. One of the other choreographers was Gates McFadden. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, yeah that wasn't in mine. That so wasn't in yours. St- yes, she she was actually she was credited as director of photography and puppet movement and and of course gates she's she was credited under her real name of cheryl mcfadden but it's gates mcfadden mm-hmm. uh who went on to play dr crusher in star trek the next generation actually the following year so that was quite a career track for gates mcfadden she's the choreographer mm-hmm. of labyrinth and then the next year she's dr crusher on tng good for her good for her that's what i say um the original script ends with sarah beating the shit out of the goblin king yeah, wouldn't that have been great? <laughs> or as IMDb's trivia page puts it, quote, punching and kicking Jareth, then watching him shrink down until he becomes a small and sniveling goblin, which I read which as is what, Sarah beats the shit out of him. Yeah, beats the shit out of him until he reveals his true yeah. shape. Yeah, which I think would have been a satisfying ending. Mm-hmm. Like she just gets tired of his shit and totally breaks bad and just beats the shit out of him. And could you imagine how, how, uh, how uh, much money... That David Bowie puppet goblin would be. Oh my God, that would be such a collector's item. Mm-hmm. And don't tell me Jim Henson well, wouldn't have had a good time making a David Bowie shaped Muppet. He never had a good time doing anything. Well, you know, he was so busy. I don't think he ever really enjoyed life. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jim, are you going to bring us another great Muppet movie with Kermit and Miss Piggy and Fozzie? No, actually, what I'm thinking about doing is uh, another one of those movies that have a bunch of my creatures in it that aren't, you know, the standard Muppets. Oh, great. Those always, what is it about, Jim? <laughs> those always make lots of money. Good. Do one of those again, Jim. That'd be great. You know, I can't wait to make Dark Crystal money again. Yeah, boy, what a hit that was. Oh. <laughs> Don't worry, there are people in it. Really? Yeah, four. <laughs> what? <laughs> <sighs> Well, that'll keep the production costs low. Four. No. <laughs> Four whole We're people. We're literally going to have hundreds of these <laughs> goblin puppets. <laughs> uh, is that all your trivia, Steve? And finally. Okay. The baby. Yeah. Who plays little Toby. Yeah. Was difficult the, to work with. Guy, the guy who I paneled with. Was difficult to work with. He was a baby. He was a baby. 
He often cried and screamed during scenes. And it was because ne- yeah, he was a baby. And it was necessary to have a crew member playing with a puppet off camera to distract him. And in one scene, David Bowie himself is actually holding the puppet in his other hand, holding it off camera to keep the kid quiet so that they can get the shot that they need. And yeah. originally, the baby's character name was Freddie, but they had to change it to Toby, the baby actor's real name. Be- yeah. Because he would only react to his own name, which I think is just incredibly unprofessional. He's a baby. Incredibly unprofessional. So the next time you're on a panel with him, him, when I met him <laughs> and we paneled together, um, he had a baby. The baby he was had a baby. To have had his own baby. Was so and his baby was wearing the same jumper that he wore in the Dark Crystal. Oh, how cute. In fact, his baby looked exactly like he did well, in the movie. Babies, you know. <laughs> and babies. babies. They all look alike. Is that all your trivia? That's all my trivia. Oh, good. That's all my trivia. Well, you only stole one thing. That was well, nice. there, You know, we could we could coordinate beforehand if this really bothers you. We could, but it wouldn't give this show its sauce. <laughs> it wouldn't give you something to complain about. Mm-hmm. And I'm not happy unless I'm the, complaining the, about the, something. The bitterness that fuels our show. <laughs> okay, here's who made it. Yeah. It was directed by Jim Henson. I don't fucking don't even ask me. All right? The Muppets. That's all you need to know. The Muppets. Screenplay by Terry Jones and that, right, that Terry Jones, the one from the Pythons. Yeah. You know him from the Monty Python movies and the Monty Python TV show. And uh, I think he did some other things on British television, so. Uh, Yeah. You British listeners know. Um, Story by Dennis Lee, nothing. (laughs) And by Jim Henson. Produced by Eric Ratray. Rat, no, Rat Tray. Rat Tray. What a name. A tray of Good God. Nothing. <laughs> really? Eric Rattray hasn't had a storied Hollywood career? That's like having a name like, you know, Barney Pig Bucket. All yeah, right. Animal in a container. Yeah, that's all you need. Yeah. That's all you need. Lice Cup. <laughs> oh, you never saw Mike Lice Cup? Oh, boy. Big, big hit Hollywood producer. Man, he's, he's done everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, hello, my name is Jonathan Fortescue Giraffe Barge. <laughs> See, that sounds like an actual British name, though. <laughs> it does. Lord Giraffe um, Barge. We would like to apologize to all of our British listeners for once again making fun of their silly names. Um, <laughs> starring David Bowie as Jareth. Do you really want me to do that? Insult your intelligence? And tell you what David <laughs> Bowie's done? Who's David Bowie? If you're one of my, our listeners that doesn't know who David Bowie is and what he's done, go away. Just go away. I don't even know how you manage to use a computer. <laughs> Jennifer Connelly is Sarah Williams. and You know Jennifer Connelly? She's in Dark City and The Rocketeer and Hulk, Steve's favorite movie of yeah. all time. And... <laughs> And a bunch of other movies. She's great. Right, and she's only 16 in this, so it's inappropriate to mention how incredibly fucking hot she gets as an adult. I thought she was hot then. She was only 16, man. I was 16, too, with the same age. Okay, well, it was fine. It was fine back then, but now it's not cool for you. I would understand that if at my age now, if I was watching Labyrinth and jerking it to a 16-year-old for Connelly. That's not okay. That's wrong. That's not okay. No, I... <laughs> I find her pictures in magazines. I cut out a picture that out of her husband from the pictures. Of course, I paste them on the wall, and that's what I okay, to. okay. But it's but it's after she turned eighteen. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That, Dad and the breathy phone calls to the house. Yeah, well, we're completely. If I hear same. Paul Bettany pick up the phone, not you again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, put your wife on the phone, Vision. <laughs> That's right, because I turned into Archie Bunker. Hey, Jarvis, put the old lady on the phone. Sickening sex calls to Jennifer Connelly <laughs> at two thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah, is your wife there? <laughs> Shut up, Edith. I'm on the phone here. Mr. Bunker, please. <laughs> I love how he's still being polite. He's not just like cussing you out and calling the cops. Mr. Bunker, please. Toby Froud, my personal best friend. No. Toby Froud <laughs> as Toby Williams, and he's gone on to uh, do a lot of puppet work and stop motion animation specifically for Leica Studios. So he's worked on things like um, Paranorman and Kubo of the Five Strings and. Uh, Whatever else they made, I don't know. Coraline, I think they did Coraline. Uh, Christopher Malcolm as Robert, nothing. Shelly Thompson as Irene. She was in Trailer Park Boys. I've never watched it, so I don't know who she played, but she's in it. And Juggler Michael Motion. Hey, hey. You want to know about him? Call Steve. Call him at around 1230 at night. He'll love it. He's good at juggling balls. It. His number is going to be in the description of this podcast. <laughs> Ask him about the guy who juggled balls. People can call me whenever they want. I put my phone on Do Not Disturb after I go to sleep. So, Oh, do you really? Scream as loud as you want. Ain't nobody going to hear you. Go to his house. I have his address. <laughs> Knock on the door. I'll tell you where he keeps the key. Oh. And you can go in, help yourself to a sandwich when he wakes up in the morning. <laughs> scare him half to death with your weird juggler questions. Not from, my hide-a-key. From Labyrinth. Don't give away the secret of my hide-a-key. You shouldn't have angered me. No, I'm sorry. That's all right. It's too late now. It's gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Cinematography <laughs> by Alex Thompson. Nothing. <laughs> Edited by John Grover. Nothing. Music by Trevor Jones. And uh, Trevor has also done the music for Excalibur, Dark Crystal, Mississippi Burning. You know, he's, he's <laughs> That's a bit work. of a jump. It's a lot. It's different. Excalibur, the weird I want to wa- watch my daughter have sex with a knight movie by John Borman. <laughs> The Dark Crystal, the weird There's No People in This Movie by Jim Henson, and Mississippi Burning. Mississippi Burning. Burning. That's the sore thumb. That's like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Production company, companies, Henson Associates, Disney has not had not swallowed them whole yet. Um, and Lucasfilm. That's right. That's right. How young Lucas. are the puppets? How old is she again? Is she, oh, she's 16. 16. Can she be younger? Never mind. <laughs> You can still have money, I guess. <laughs> Distributed by TriStar Pictures in the United States, Columbia EMI Warner Distributors in the United Kingdom. It was released on June 27, 1986. Running time, 101 minutes. Budget, $25 million. Adjusted for inflation, $67.7 million. Box office, $34 million. Adjusted for inflation, $92 million. So it didn't... Really, I mean, it made money. It made, yeah. People saw it, yeah. but it wasn't the smash bang hit of the season. No, it was not. It was just kind of, it was a movie that came out. There are two movies that came out that they're very different, but they were both high fantasies. This one and Legend. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, the one where I kept saying through the entire thing, will someone please give Tom Cruise a pair of pants? <laughs> please give him a pair of goddamn pants just because he does uh, one pantsless scene in risky business 
Yeah, that's what they were doing. Like, it was like, oh well. Let him wear he's pants. The guy with and, no pants, right? Let him wear pants in other movies, please. Yeah, that's what Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. No, I'm solid on this. <laughs> I, I want the I want the boy from Risky Business. I, wa- I want the the man who played a teen who had sex with an adult woman. I want to see his bare legs. <laughs> now, who do we get for the devil? The de- the devil. Well, he's not the devil. He looks like the devil. Well, his name's Darkness. Fine. Who? I love how dismissive he is about his own movie. <laughs> Fine. I've, I've always wondered what prompted this sudden spat of this kind of fantasy film. Yeah. Smack dad in the middle of the 80s that went nowhere. Because the sword and sorcery fad was like early 80s, and then it died out. And then and it's they were like, all cheap movies. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, everyone is... I, there had to have been some studio at this time going, who wants to adapt The Lord of the Rings? And no, there were no takers. They're like, nope. <laughs> Not it! And I'm glad it didn't happen, because it would have looked like Labyrinth or, or, a, or a Legend. Yeah. Especially Legend. Well, you know what the best part of Legend is? What? You know who plays Meg Mucklebones, that swamp witch in the I, middle of the movie? I don't think I do. Robert Picardo. Hey, no shit! Once you say it, and then you see the performance, you can see him through all that makeup. Robert Picardo, star of China Beach? Yes, yes. Him and his toupee, his, top stars of China that, Beach. His most famous role on China Beach? <laughs> and Star and Trek And Star Trek Voyager, Voyager, where he played one of the only decent characters. The only decent really the, character, yeah. really. The only character with, what's it called? A character arc. That's right. The only one that developed and grew. The only one that developed and grew like at all. The only one who was constantly at risk of being turned off and not existing yeah, anymore. Because you never knew with that crew, Janeway could wake up and not get her coffee and be like, fuck that holographic doctor. She installed she installed a doctor off forever button on her desk. <laughs> and her, she would just hover her finger over it when she was having when a bad day. When she called the doctor. Doctor, there's some unreasonable request I have. And her finger is slowly <laughs> tracing around the book. Consider your answer carefully, Doctor. <laughs> oh, speaking of which. Yes. You know that there, uh, there are two more episodes up for Prodigy. Yeah, I've been watching it. So have I. Yeah, it's excellent. We should have talked about it during the Patreon section well, of the ma- show. Well, maybe we can talk about it during the after show. Okay, hey, we'll hey. do that. Ho, ho. Ho, ho. All right, Steve, are you ready to go running into the world of Labyrinth? Yeah, let's run in. Uh, hey, let's be careful not to get lost. Because what? What it's, a, cause it's a labyrinth. It's a, oh, I get it's a it. Maze. We might get lost in the labyrinth. The labyrinth. Some, some kind of goblin creature will get us. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe we'll get groped by a bunch of hands that grow yeah. out of a wall. And they'll like f- make mouths out of themselves. And it's like, that's no, the, the noise isn't coming from that. You I don't, don't have, like that. You don't have voice boxes. <laughs> I hope we don't fall into the bag of farts. I'm sorry, the bog of stench. <laughs> All right, let's me and you yeah. run, screaming like madmen into the world of labyrinth. Steve, yes. take it away. Ah, boy. Well, here comes Jennifer Connelly. And yeah, she's, well, first we get the titles. The, yeah, the titles, yeah. Against black, and we see a really terrible CGI oh, owl flying uh, Yeah, that's right. Place. I forgot about the CGI owls flying around. So we watch the CGI owls fly around for about an hour and a half. Yeah, that owl is no is no guardian of Gahul. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Maybe the only Zack Snyder film outside of Dawn of, uh, Dawn of the Dead that I like. Yeah, because it's not just, it's another one that it's just, oh, it's not wall-to-wall murder. Yeah, um, and the sub and the the uh, the subtext to it is 
white supremacy is bad. <laughs> which is the exact opposite of all of other Zack Snyder's work, which is, you know, a weird... <laughs> oh, 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 At least a weird one, reversal. One, one specific one. <laughs> Um, yeah. Anyway. And then after, after the title credits, then we cut to Jennifer Connelly. This is Sarah and she's, <coughs> uh, reciting dialogue from a bad fantasy movie. That's right. Or, well, oh, first we don't know what we're doing. Cause she's running through this kind of, it's like a garden park. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, and she's dressed up like a princess. She's dressed up like a princess and she's talking like, like a fairy tale princess from a story. Um, yeah. and then she gets to a certain point in her little speech and she and she flubs it and she's like, oh, damn, I always forget that line. Um, and then we realize, oh, she's just playing around like she's just, you know, you know, it's it's actually modern. Oh, times. she's a crazy person. She's she's a crazy person. And she's just reciting <laughs> like a line, you know, whatever. for fun. Dressed like a princess in a public. Park. Yeah. And then it starts to rain. With her dog. Yeah, her dog is there. Is her dog with her? Yeah. Her dog's with her. And it starts to rain and she looks and she realizes what time it is and she's late for being home. So they run back home in the rain and her mom answers the door and she's Can like, I say something? Yes. Boy, she becomes a much better actress when she gets older. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. Let's just put it this way. There's nowhere else but up. As far as this is concerned, she 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 eventually becomes a very very good actress. Uh, yes, but she, does. she is not quite there in Labyrinth, although she tries. Like she she ain't no Natalie Portman. She gives it a shot. No, no, Natalie Portman was pretty much preternaturally good right from the out beginning. of the yeah. gate when you saw her in Leon the oh, Professional. Yeah. You were like, who is that little kid actor? You were like, she's really yeah. good. Is she like secretly thirty or something because she's really good. <laughs> Um, no, you know, this isn't her first movie, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, no, she was in what it was once upon a time in America. Once a time, upon a, yeah. once upon a time in Boy, America. Talk about an interminable fucking film. Good Lord. <laughs> You're going to die. I do not. I am I'll not a fan. You. I am not a fan of it. I'm a fan of the director. It's Sergio Leone. Okay. He's, he's a genius. He's sure. great. I am not a fan yeah. of that movie. I watch that movie and I think, <laughs> oh my fucking God, will something please happen? Will somebody answer that goddamn phone? Somebody shoot someone. Uh, what kind happened. of gangster movie is this, huh? Somebody shoot somebody there. Edith, why aren't they shooting people? Why are we doing Archie? No more Archie Bunker nope. for the rest of the episode. Uh, all right. All right, she gets home. Yes. And she's got a stepmom. Yep. A wicked stepmother. And a dad. She's not wicked. No, she's not. She's fine. She just, she's fine. You were supposed to be here on time, and you were out doing your your crazy thing. You're doing your Ophelia moment out in the fucking <laughs> out in the park, park. Where people can see you. I told you not to do that. How did you undo the lock? <laughs> and she's she's like, I don't. She's a brat. She's supposed she's to yeah, She's supposed to stay home and, and babysit her brother, who is just a baby, because her parents are going out. And she's like, you always go mm -hmm. out and you always make me stay home with the baby. And I hate you and I want to kill you. And, you know, and they're like, OK, <laughs> look bye. At, look at these. Yeah. And she goes in her room and slams the door and they leave because they need to fuck. They're like, yeah. They've had a baby. <laughs> they haven't had any time alone. They have a daughter that is that is obviously insane. Yeah. Yeah. We need to get there's out a of little bit house. of uh, there's some there's some nice show. Don't tell in her bedroom. Mm hmm. Because we can pick up from what we see that her mom's an actress. Yeah. Yes. That's I guess right. she wants to be an actress. She has like a headshot on her mirror and she yeah. still hasn't gotten used to the whole dad's gotten married and yeah. had a second chance kid. And yeah. boy, it's a second chance kid because she dresses <laughs> weird 
and she does weird things. <laughs> um, but the baby won't stop crying. No. So she goes into and the baby's room and she's like, you know, shut up, stop crying. She starts shaking it. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. You ruined my life. No, she tells the baby a story. And the story basically goes like this. If you don't shut up, I'm going to uh, call upon the goblins and they're going to come and take you away. I'm going to call upon the goblin and king. And you'll go live with the goblin king forever. And she says the, That's right. the goblin king is the goblin king is in love with a girl. The girl is me who is forced to stay at home with the baby. The baby is yeah. you. And, you know, so she tells and, and right as, as she mentions the goblins, we get this sudden cut. A, I love this cut. It's a great cut. I oh, really do love too, this cut. Me too, me too. And to a group of goblins who are wa- mm-hmm. who are watching the movie just like we are. <laughs> and <laughs> this being said, the goblins, yeah. the design of this is again Brian Froud, the same guy that he worked with at Dark Crystal. And I had all of Brian Froud's, he had a bunch of books about fairies and giants, and, the, and they're just basically sketchbooks. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's great to see his artwork come to life through Henson. And to have that wall of, it's basically just a wall of faces of these, when they wake up and they say, did she say it? Yeah, they're like eagerly waiting for her to say, what they're waiting for her to say is, I wish the goblins would come and take you. And Mm -hmm. she never quite says that. And, you know, the goblins are like, just say it, how hard is it to just say it? You need to say it. I wish the goblin king would come and and take you right now. Is that so hard? How hard is that? (laughs) Yeah, and then eventually she and then she does. eventually she says it like yeah. right before she puts him down. She's like, "Oh, I wish the Goblin King would come and take you," you know, and then puts him down. She says it as she's closing the door. Yeah, and and she leaves, and then all of a sudden, like, what do, do the lights go on and off? Or now, as soon as she closes the door, Toby's crying. That's right, his crying cuts stops. off. His crying stops, and she's like, "Well, that was weird." And she goes in the bedroom, and Toby is gone. And instead of Toby, there's a little Goblin thing. And then a pansexual man comes into the comes room. In, comes in through the window, and he's like, what? <laughs> you told me to he's take like, your brother. What? I did. What's the problem? That's right. My, my eyes are up here. Yeah. Why are why you looking you, at my pants? Why are you my looking are, at my crotch? Why, why? I know these are tight, but hokey smokes. Yeah. Hey, guys, if you're, if you're old enough... And you had your sexual awakening for this from this movie. Congratulations! At least it was David. At Bowie. least, exactly. Not everybody has that experience due to you know ogling a musical genius. But holy shit! <laughs> you know, he is what he what is. What was the customer doing? What were they doing? <laughs> what were they doing, Steve? I don't know. Did they? I mean, here's getting the thing. away with something. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what <laughs> they, no, were they doing. Weren't. You know how many eyes had to be on that costume? Prior to shooting it, right? The designer oh, I'm had sure. to design it. And that's possible. Maybe the designer didn't put the bulge on the drawing. And then the costumer has to make it. And then they have to put it on Mr. Bowie. Mr. Bowie has to walk out and show it to the producer and to the director. And they all go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they agree. And all of them saw that fucking bulge maybe, in his pants. Maybe David Bowie liked it. And when they offered to change it, David Bowie was like, I'll quit. Then we'll get Jagger. He won't care. <laughs> and he'll be a more believable goblin king. All right. right, right. Oh, fine. Anyway, he tells her, hey, listen, I granted your witch. She's like, I want, I want Toby Give back. me my baby and back. That's when he starts playing with his balls. In yeah, front he of just her. reaches right down and his pants. <laughs> no, he has the, the crystal balls. Yeah. And he whisks her away. 
to a, another world, and he says, you have until midnight? Yeah, he's 13 hours. You have 13 hours to go through my maze and get to the goblin castle and find your brother, and then we won't turn him into a goblin, right? Right, that's the deal. And she's cocky, isn't she? Yeah, she's like, ah, it's plenty of time. I can do that. I can do that. I'm not that. freaking out because this is happening. Yeah, fuck you. I don't you. even know where I am right now. I'll solve is this, this another dimension? I'll solve this <laughs> labyrinth with time to spare. Your hair looks dumb. That's Wait right. at that. Your hair's dumb. How about that? And I've seen bigger packages. Yeah, my dad's swinging some fucking meat, buddy. That's why I spy him when he's taking yeah, a shower. I do feel... It's why they lock me in the yeah, house. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a much weirder kid than you even knew. You have no idea the depth of my depravity. You've brought the wrong person <laughs> to your little world. I will destroy you. <sighs> Watch for my army when I arrive. The skies will turn black. The seas will, the seas will become blood. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. Fuck. You know what? Just take the kid back. <laughs> Not worth it. But she doesn't. No. She walks down to the labyrinth and there's like some little thing peeing yeah take it yeah and he's 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 uh and uh and then he's he's spraying uh pest control on fairies steve can i ask you a question yes this is hoggle this is yeah the 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 first guy she meets is hoggle yeah there's a little person in the costume you guys i didn't read all of the performers because we would still be reading the performers (laughs) names now um steve yeah why is hoggle a puppet. I'm sorry. Why is Hoggle with a mechanical mask on a little? Person? Yeah, Hoggle's head is a puppet. <laughs> like Hoggle's body. But Hoggle is a little looks person. like a person. Yeah, Hoggle looks like a person. I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, why couldn't it have been a little person with makeup? We know that there are plenty of little person actors that are excellent. Oh, absolutely. And could have totally played this role. It. I mean, the, the, the answer to the question is it could have been. They just chose for it not to be. Okay. Um, it would have been different. I'll say that there, there's, there's something about Hoggle's head being obviously like animatronic. Yeah. That, I don't know. It, it, it just it changes the way you interact with the character. And his hands are large and not functional. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it changes the way you <laughs> interact. They kind of flop with, around at the end of his hand. <laughs> it changes the way you interact with the character. You interact with the character like you do with a puppet character as opposed to how you would with mm-hmm. a human character. And for whatever reason, that's how they wanted it. So, I mean. I think it would have been stronger had it been a little person with makeup because this is the closest companion she technically has oh yes right? yes he's the only one that's with and her like for the entire thing yeah it's wholly reliant on the performance now of the mechanism on on this person's head because not even his voice is his voice is dubbed in right so she's having this because boy she's a great actor um she's having to act and react to someone shouting lines from off stage and a puppet face that has difficulty with expression. Yeah. So I just wanted but, to bring you know, that I, up. I here. never really thought about that, but you're right. It, it probably affected her performance in scenes where she's mm-hmm. playing off of Hoggle because, yeah, she is at this point in her career not the steadiest actor. And mm-hmm. she's having to play opposite an animatronic head, <laughs> you know, that isn't the best actor either. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, he's uh, spraying fairies and crushing them under his feet. Yeah. 
And and, and, and doesn't she ask him? Good for him. Good for they're jerks. And she's saying, "How do I get to the center of the thing?" And he's like, "Fuck off! That's none of my business." Basically, yeah. But thankfully, there's there's a very very nice caterpillar that uh, leads her in the wrong yeah. direction. Yeah, although but doesn't mean to. Oh no, he doesn't mean to. But he's very nice. Yeah. Of all the creatures in this, I wish I could get that. One. Yeah. He's adorable. He's got a little scarf yeah, on. Yeah, keeps asking her. He's like, come inside and meet the missus. Keeps asking Have her to c- come into the hole in the wall that he lives in. Very nice. And she's like, no, fuck off. I've figured this place out. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna figure out everything. Yeah. We cut to the goblin, ca- goblin castle, and uh, we have to hear a song. Yeah, he sings a song to the other goblins. David Bowie sings a song to the other goblins, and he's like, hey, I'm and David Bowie. What song Bowie. is that? I can't remember. It's <laughs> Hey, I'm David Bowie. I can't remember. Is it Magic Dance? It's Magic uh, Dance. Yeah. yeah. None of the songs are terribly yeah. memorable. I will say that for the movie. Mm, they're not great. Yeah. They're not great. I think Underground is the one that maybe got the most. Yeah, you know, I think that one actually got released play on the as like a single. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so she's running through the. She's running. She's going, and she comes up against a couple of guys, who are in sex positions with each other behind a shield. <laughs> There's two guys. Yeah. <laughs> one standing up, and the other one's upside down. And uh, what is what is the conundrum here? Steve? Well, they're guarding doors, and right. one of the doors leads further into the labyrinth, and one of the doors leads to certain death. Mm-hmm. And to certain death. Yeah, and there's also I will say I will say this. Yeah. I really appreciate Terry Jones writing this script. Oh yeah, the uh, because. Yeah. Boy, did this this movie not take itself seriously? Yeah. Of- well, I will say. I mean, we'll, we'll, I mean, it's kind of something I was going to mention in my review. But yeah, I mean, one of one of the things, one of the saving graces of the movie is its irreverence toward the material. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish they could have had a lead actress that could have pulled it off. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Me too. But, anyway, um, what's what's the riddle? Yeah. So the, the the problem is one of the people guarding the door is someone who always tells the truth. And the other right. is someone who always lies. So now you have to figure right. out who is telling, which one is which and which door to go through. So, And does she figure it she out? She figures it out immediately. No, she doesn't. <laughs> yeah, she does. She doesn't. She says. Does she? Yeah, she says. She, she thinks about it for a second. She's like, hmm. And then she looks at the guy on the left and she says, if I asked him if this door led to certain doom, um, would he say yes or no or something? She phrases it so she's asking the guy what the other guy would say. Right. And somehow that short circuits the riddle. Uh-huh. So, because he's not, he's not expressing his opinion. He's telling you what the other person would say. And, and right. she figures it out through that. And she's giving herself a pat on and the she, back and what happens? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, and then she walks through the door and she falls through the... And she, she falls, falls through a straight hole. Straight into a hole. And this is where she falls through the, the pit full of hands. Helping hands. Yeah. The, sure, the helping hands. Probably one of the most... Here's the thing. This is one of the most creative parts of this entire movie. Yeah. And it's just guys with gloved hands on making faces and talking to Oh, them. yeah. The puppetry is fantastic. Because, it, yeah. It, it's, and there's no puppets. Yeah, it's just hands. It's just hands. It's just hands, yeah. Um, and they ask her if she wants to go up or down. She says down and so they drop her off in a nubliette right which is basically 
like a little, what does Hoggle say? It's a place where they put you when they don't want to, when they want to forget about yeah, you or yeah. something like that. And for whatever reason, Hoggle's there. Yeah, he, he takes the stairs, I guess. Whatever, he's just there. Um, he gets her out, and they're talking, and then, ah, oh, one of my favorite parts of this movie are the faces. They're walking through, like, this uh, cave-like thing, yes. and there are faces in the, in the wall, wall that are saying things like, turn back, turn back. And Hoggle tells one of them to shut up, and he says, I'm just doing my job. <laughs> Come on, let me say it. <laughs> People so seldomly walk they, past. Then they run into another little creature that turns out to be Jareth in disguise. Right. Jareth asks her, what do you think of my labyrinth? And she says, it's a piece of cake. And he goes, okay, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll just make it harder. Let's make it harder. And we hear this machine coming down the hallway, and it's the what Hoggle says, it's the cleaners. Yeah. And it's basically just this machine with knives and things rotating in the front, and they get out. And, I, and and this is one of the things I really appreciate about it. They see it, and all the knives go past, and behind it, they're like three little goblins turning yeah, the crank, yeah, moving getting it, yeah. it to move forward. Yeah. They get out, and is this when she first asks Hoggle to help her? And she offers she offers him, because he seems to be money-motivated, uh, uh, her plastic bracelet. Right, yes. He doesn't know what plastic is, because he's dumb. And... <laughs> He agrees, he takes a bracelet, and then he hears a roar and he runs away. Right, he runs away and goes, hi, he says, you're on your own, fuck yeah. you. Thanks for the bracelet, sucker. But we didn't know that that roar came from one of the monsters from where the wild things are, <laughs> hanging upside <laughs> down right. on a tree, being, being tormented by these little jerks yeah. with like, they have little creatures on the ends of sticks that are biting and they're, they're, they're doing stuff. And this is Ludo. And Ludo is starts calling to rocks, and a he, he which is something he can do. Yeah. A rock rolls up next to uh, next to what's her face. She picks it up, she throws it. They get all discombobulated. They run away. She lets Ludo down, and Ludo's a great big dumb Chewbacca ox. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> Sasquatch. Totally original character. <laughs> Some poor man is wearing that goddamn oh suit. Yeah. That cannot be light. No. It, oh boy, he's he's humongous. He's a big, humongous. Character. Yeah, he's so big that at first I was like, "How the fuck did they do that?" Because he's <laughs> so big. It's like is fucking Andre the Giant in that thing? Like it's so big. <laughs> he's a big yeah, guy. Yeah. He's cool. Yeah. Meanwhile, we cut to Hoggle. Hoggle's wandering around. Um, he hears Sarah, and he turns around to run back because I guess he likes her. Yeah. I don't know. And Jareth is there, and Jareth is, is is like, "Hey, I want you to do something for me." And Hoggle's like, "Okay." And David Bowie's like, "My eyes are up." Here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm short, dude. Okay. Because this is this is the scene where it's like, there's no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this is the costume <laughs> that woke up a lot of a lot of people's erogenous yeah. zones when they were too young. Oh my! And. <laughs> But um, he's, like, convincing Hoggle to help him out. And all he wants Hoggle to do is give him a peach. Right? Yeah, he, he, he turns one of his crystal he spheres wants... into a peach. And he's like, just give this to her, man. That's all you got to do. Yeah, that's all you need to do. Peach. It'll be fine. Everything will be great. And you do that, okay? And he's like, yes, yes, yes. 
Eyes up here. <laughs> yes, I will. Yes, my king. <laughs> and uh, he just has to give that to Sarah, right? Absolutely. Meanwhile, Sarah has run afoul of the... Oh, I can't remember what they're called. They've run afoul into another pointless musical number. Oh, yes, that's right. Is, by, this, is this the one where it's all done on, like, chroma key? It, a lot of yeah. it is done by chroma yeah. key because what they can do... And they're, I think they're called the the Furies, but I'm not sure what they're the Fireies. Um, no, I'm the, the Fireies, yeah. yeah. And they start dancing around, saying, "Hey, join us" and stuff like that. And then they start ripping their bodies apart right. in front of her, <laughs> and forming new bizarre creatures out of their own body parts. And, and then they want to rip her head off so that they she can dance like them. And she throws their heads away, a couple of them. I mean, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And you know? she, because one of the other things that happens is as soon as she gets Ludo, Ludo like falls through a hole and disappears. We forgot that part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Before she, before she goes to this part. Yeah. And then Hoggle drops a rope down and she climbs up. Jareth said that if she ever kissed Hoggle, he'd drop him into the bog of stench, right? Of yes. eternal stench. Yeah. Excuse me. Yes. It's not just stench. It's eternal stench. It's eternal stench. They go around a wall, and we finally see the bog of eternal stench, which is a bunch of prolapsed assholes sticking out of a swamp (laughs) farting. Yep, that's the bog of eternal stench, all right. Almost as if they said, you know the fart scene from Blazing Saddles? We're going to do it better and longer (laughs) than... We're going to turn that into a setting. That's right. It's going to be a whole area that we're going to have to go through. So they're crawling along the wall. The wall collapses. They fall down and they land on top of Ludo. No one likes the bog of cinch. It is awful. No. And uh, they have to walk through it. And that's when they run into Sir Didymus. Steve? Yeah. Who is Sir Didymus? <laughs> Sir Didymus is, he looks like a, he, he's a fox. And he is the guard of the bridge that leads out of the the swamp out of the bog of stench right and he's a little guy he's just a little he's a tiny fox. fox guy yeah yeah and he's or like a dog because uh, he does bark that's true he's some kind of small furry animal right and he's like and he is like p- perhaps the most muppety character in the movie he's pretty muppety um he's very muppety in terms of his design and also his personality and and he's like no one can cross the bridge without my permission you know who goes there halt you know like he takes his job as a guard very seriously yeah and uh he's like you can't cross i've i've i have sworn an oath and sarah says i have well, an unnecessary complication yeah, exactly. And Sarah says, well, what, what did the oath say? And Didymus says, well, it said that no one may cross the bridge without my permission. So Sarah says, okay, this ain't too hard. Can we have your permission to cross the bridge? And he thinks about it for a second and he says, yes. yeah, go ahead. No, he says, so, yeah. I love his reaction. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And so she goes to cross the bridge. Remember, but this is the after an isn't. unnecessary non-fight with Ludo. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And because he, because Sir Didymus has a dog that he rides around like a horse. Yes, a sheepdog. A sheepdog that he like rides the around like the dog that she has. Like like at like home. Sarah's dog. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Sarah. So they do. Yeah. The, yeah. She tries to cross the they bridge. The the yeah. plank collapses. Hoggle shows up, but Ludo calls some stones that go into the river, 
and then she can land on the stones, and she can get across, and all of them can get across. Yay! And remember, this is an acid they're falling into. They're trying to save themselves from smelling bad for the rest of their life. Yeah. It's just really bad smelling water. That's right. Yeah. Or anal leakage, considering that... Or the, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, whatever Considering it is. that it's, the it's sphincters are constantly farting and spewing out God knows what. Yeah, um, you don't want that. You don't want that. Right. But they get across, don't they, Steve? Yeah, and Sir Didymus comes with them. Yeah, because of course um, he does, because this isn't the Wizard of Oz. Anyway, um, <laughs> they get across and... Uh, and uh, oh, what's his and name? And I think... It, is this where the, where she eats the peach? Because yeah. they're talking about how yeah. hungry Hoggle, they are. Hoggle gives her the peach, and he feels really bad about it. And she takes a tiny little bite, and then she trips balls for about ten to fifteen minutes for, that we for have the to next suffer few, yeah. through through another yeah. goddamn music video where she's dancing with um, Jareth the at Goblin a ball. King. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like a fancy ball, and she's in a nice dress, and the Goblin King keeps, like, appearing and disappearing whenever she turns around, and they dance, and he sings a song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happens? And then she she figures out that something weird is going on, and she goes up, like, to a mirror and smashes the mirror with a chair. Mm-hmm. Like Alice in falls. Yeah, and falls out of it and wakes up, and she wakes up, and she's in a junkyard, and Mm-mm. she can't remember. She's in she her can't bedroom. Where she was? Isn't she in the junkyard first? Oh no, she's in her bed. Yes, yeah, she is. She's in her bedroom, and she can't remember what just happened. And then the the goblin from the junkyard shows up, like a witch kind of yeah. thing with all this garbage and on she, her back. And she's like, and she's giving Sarah like her own stuff, like giving her her stuffed animals and stuff. And she's like, you know, oh, it was all just a dream here. Take this and take this and take this. You love your teddy bear, don't you? Yeah. But eventually they find her and they break her out of it. Cause that's right. not the field of poppies from the wizard of Oz. Anyway. So she gets out and they make it to the <laughs> gates of the goblin city. Yeah. And then the gates turn into a giant robot. <laughs> Yes, they do. A big old robot. And they have to fight the big robot. And how do they fight and defeat the giant robot, the big scary robot that suddenly appeared? Well, they're fighting the robot and not doing super well. And no. then Hoggle, Hoggle jumps down onto the robot from like the roof of a building and rips its head off. And it turns out there's, there's another little creature inside the robot, like moving the gears and driving it. Mm-hmm. So Hoggle throws that guy out. Who has a parachute. Who has a parachute. (laughs) And then climbs into the seat, and he's driving the robot. But he doesn't do such a great job either. No, but they get the the gates open, and they get into the city. They get the gates open, yeah. And, of course, the goblin army comes, and they've got to get get away from them. And there's a big fight scene. And then Ludo goes up to the top of the building, and he calls all the rocks. Right? And all the rocks come and destroy all the goblins, and now they can make it to the... Goblin Castle, right? Yeah. And they get there, and then all three of her companions stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, they get to the, they get inside the castle, and nobody's there. Yes. And, and and she looks, she sees stairs leading up, and she's like, "Well, that must be where they went." Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go up there, and her and the other ones are like, "Well, do you want us to come along?" And she's like, "Well, no, I have to do it myself because that's the way this always goes." What? Why? Um, no. No. Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> They're like, sure. Okay, go ahead. And then she follows Jareth into an MC Escher drawing. She sure does. And we get another music video. 
Yes, for whatever reason. And oh, she's, David Bowie walking around upside down. And, and the baby walking and around upside down. The baby, yeah. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. And um, after the music video is over, he finally conf- confronts her. Well, not confronts. Yeah. He like basically well, yeah, he, begs her. He sex begs a sixteen-year-old well, he, yeah. girl. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, what is your deal? I did everything you asked me to. That's right. Now you're being such a jerk about this. Uh-huh. And and he says, this is one of my favorite lines in the movie. He says, "All you have to do is is love me and fear me and do everything I say, and I'll be your slave." Because uh-huh. I guess he doesn't know how slavery works. Yep. <laughs> or he, this in. <laughs> This entire time she's been dealing with an incel and she didn't know. <laughs> That's <it>. right. <laughs> I did everything right. Now you give me what I want. <laughs> I treated you like a lady. I stole your brother. I tried to kill you in the labyrinth. I treated you like a lady. <sighs> and what is she saying? Um, she, she has to remember her... the line that she was trying to remember in the park. Yeah. She recites her lines from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and she remembers the last, she gets to the part that she forgot, and then she remembers it. And the line that she forgot is, you have no power over me. Right. And then everything falls apart. Oh, no. <sighs> and then she's falling, and then she's back in her room, right? Yeah. Well, she's back, in, she's back downstairs in the house, and then she runs upstairs, and the baby's back in his room. Right. And she's like, oh, thank God. And she goes back and she said, that's the last time I eat expired pasta out of the refrigerator. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm checking myself into rehab. First thing Monday morning. But then Hoggle shows up and she says, well, if you ever need us, because they said this before before she went into the the, the MC Escher room by herself. Yeah. And if you you ever need us, just take drugs again and we'll be right. right there. Take the brown acid. And she's like, oh, I do need you. And she starts stuffing as much of it as she can. Oh, not that much. It's a gift from my mom who's divorced or dead or something. I don't know. And then all of them show up. Even bad guys are in her room. Yeah. And they're having a great big party. And Oingo Boingo comes out and starts playing a rock rock, (laughs) rock song. The only thing I wish had happened would be if the Goblin King was there, too. Danny Dangerfield came in and said, now this is a party. And then (laughs) I wanted the I wanted the Goblin King to be there at the end, too. And for him to go in for a hug. And then she just stiffs arms him. And she's like, no, not you. Stabs him right in the guts. (laughs) Just cuts off his junk. Fuck you, motherfucker. No, but he is looking at at her as an owl because he's an owl. Yeah. Yeah. And he flies away and then the movie is over. All done. So, Steve. Yes. How do you feel about this Jim Henson Muppety fantasy movie? (laughs) Labyrinth. Well, you know, that Jim Henson was a genius. Was he? I I think so. Okay. Uh, David Bowie was a genius. Sure. And, you know, here they are in a film that, as we mentioned, is also written by Terry Jones. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, it was rewritten quite a bit, but he is the credited writer. Um, and executive produced by George Lucas. So that is quite a collection of talent. That's true. Um, it's a very interesting list. And 
It's a list that is interesting enough to make you want to watch the movie just on the basis of their names alone. Sure. You know, it's like you see who's involved in this and you're like, well, I got to at least watch it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this know? is punching all, like, like I said, when I was, you know, 17 years old. This is punching all my yeah. buttons. Yeah, exactly. And at its best, it feels like like a worthy display of that talent. Sure. Um, but it's not at its best very often. No. which is the big drawback to it um and also for me uh like as as was the case with the dark crystal this is not a movie that i grew up with um i could have grown up with it i was two when the dark crystal came out i was six when this movie came out so i could have seen this as a kid hard as a six yeah i i i could have seen this as a kid i just didn't for whatever reason your mom didn't think it was christian my mom well and also you know she just she thought that might make him happy um, no, I'm kidding. Jesus I'm kidding. Christ. I'm kidding. No, I, I had a very, I had a very loving, normal upbringing. That's For just everyone playing Steve um, Bingo at home, make sure to check the box. Mommy problems. Dark, dark joke about parents. <laughs> um, so I did eventually see it. I think I was like a teenager when I finally saw it for the first time. And by, so by the time I saw it for the first time, I had outgrown it. Sure. And, and probably as a result of that, it's never been a favorite of mine. Um, this, despite the fact that I have been a big fan of the Muppets and of Jim Henson for pretty much my entire life. Yeah. And, and at its best moments, Labyrinth feels like an extended, exorbitantly budgeted Muppet show sketch. <laughs> it's, it's imaginative and strange and hilarious and fun in that very peculiar way that is unique to when you have live actors playing alongside puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a special kind of sort of absurdity and zaniness that happens that you don't quite get in any other kind of comedy or fantasy. Um, and there are some really inspired bits here. There are bits where it's obvious that Henson and his collaborators have just let their imaginations run wild. Yeah. Uh, resulting in some really wonderfully weird stuff. I, I like uh, the vines with eyeballs on the ends of them that are growing on the walls of the labyrinth when mm-hmm. she first enters. I like, uh, we didn't mention these guys, the, the talking door knockers. Oh, yeah. And one of them can't hear and the other one can't talk because of the way that the knockers are, are hanging on them. One mm-hmm. of them goes in the guy's ears and the other he has to hold in his mouth. So I thought that was funny. Um, the fart swamp as gross as it is, I think is like, I, it's like, Oh my God, somebody had this idea and they just put it they in. They ran with it. Yeah. <laughs> they just ran with it. Um, and the MC Escher room at the end, I think, you know, obviously not an original idea, but it's really effective. It's a really strong visual. And you know, the way they have David Bowie, like walking underneath and then he kind of swings up to walk on top. And I, I just, I think a lot of that is really well done. Um, I like how matter of fact, the transition from reality to fantasy is in the beginning. Sarah mentions the goblins and then suddenly we just have, we just cut to that shot of them watching. Yep. Um, Like I said, as though they're watching the movie along with us. Um, She wishes for the goblins to take her brother. And then the goblin King is just there and they're having a conversation. Like it's the most normal thing in the world. Yeah. Bing, bang, boom. Yeah. And we're in in labyrinth world. Exactly. It's like before you, before you even realize what's going on, it's like, Oh, she's not at her house anymore. There's the labyrinth. There's the goblin city. Here we go. Right. Um, And I like the fact that the inciting incident of the story is this selfish, impetuous wish 
made by Sarah to get rid of her brother, which she instantly regrets. And Uh then she spends the rest of the movie trying to make up for it. I think that's a good character arc. And I like David Bowie. Yep. Um, Every time I see him act in a movie, I wish he had done more acting. And this is no exception. He gives the best performance in the movie. Um, He plays the most interesting character. And he kind of saves the movie for me. But barely. (laughs) Because here's the problem. Um, Like with The Dark Crystal, for as much as I stand in awe of the, the talent and the craftsmanship of the designers and the builders and the puppeteers who created and performed these characters, and as much as I genuinely love the use of practical effects and matte paintings and miniatures and all the other tools and techniques brought to bear to create this world and achieve this look. Um, For all of those things that I appreciate and admire, there's a a lot of this movie that just left me bored. Um, Not so bored that I wanted to turn it off. Not so bored that it was tough to get through, but bored enough that I was, you know, every so often I would kind of check my phone. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I wasn't compelled to give it my undivided attention. Um, I never felt invested in anything that was happening. I never really cared whether or not Sarah made it to the castle or saved Toby. I never really cared if Hoggle would, you know, do the right thing or not. The Goblin King could have walked out of the castle and burned everyone to a crisp with a flamethrower <laughs> at any time. And it wouldn't have bothered me a bit. Toast them all, Jareth. I don't give a fuck. Like, it, I, I would have been like, oh, shit, didn't expect that, you know, but like it wouldn't have upset me. So I am recommending the movie. But by that much, mm-hmm. I, recom- I recommend it based on David Bowie and his performance um, and its technical and aesthetic qualities that I do genuinely like. Uh, they are interesting enough and, and charming enough and good enough. And it does have enough... You know, so like some of the stuff with Didymus, I think, is genuinely funny. And yeah. there are there are there are several scenes and bits that that I laughed at and that I really liked. Um, but the story is lacking and it doesn't pull me in. So I am recommending it, uh, but barely. And if David Bowie had not been in it and had not given as good of a performance as he as he gives, um, I don't know if I would recommend it. So there you go. Just by by the by the hair on. One of those chinny goblins, chin chin. chin chin chin. I recommend the movie. So there you go. Okay, your turn. So Steve effectively ending our friendship. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's my favorite film. How dare you? I like this film too. Even at 17, even though it wasn't aimed at me, it still had enough humor in it that I, I found it enjoyable. Um, yeah. But boy, oh boy, the flaws really stick out, and that main flaw is Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. You don't believe a single word that comes out of her mouth. I'm sh- she was very she was a very pretty 16-year-old, but boy did she not have the acting chops to do this kind of performance. Maybe if she was acting with other people for the most for the most part, but we have scenes between her and Jareth and I still don't believe that she believes anything that's going on around her. They needed someone who had a little life in their voice. Yeah. And we didn't have that. We also are starting to hit dead up against the limitations of puppetry in the movies that I don't think they wanted to necessarily address. And that is, we're always on a set and none of the sets are that convincing. One of the things, one of the test things that, that uh, and what they did in the Muppet movie is they 
had the, the, the proof of concept is that they had Kermit and Fozzie going out, improvising little gags with each other, you know, talking to cows and being out in the real world. To show, oh, see, mm-hmm. we can have these puppets go out in the real world. And it was convincing enough that that's what they did with the Muppet movie. The Muppet movie doesn't feel like it's, it's filmed on sets. I know that there are sets there, but we have plenty of scenes of them outside in sunlight. You know, whether they're driving the yeah. car or they're at the fairgrounds or in the, in the ghost town, they're outside. They're not on a set. This one, everything is on a set, except for the beginning parts with people. And I think one of the reasons is, is because it was just easier to pull off the puppets that they wanted to pull off inside in a c- controlled environment rather than outside in a set they built. And so yeah. you get that kind of stagey quality to it. That kind of, you know, like I said, it doesn't really draw, draw me out. But as someone who does, who knows a lot about puppetry and what goes into puppetry, I'm starting to think they made, they made a decision. They, they wanted a certain amount of control, and they wouldn't be able to do that had they built the Goblin City outside. Yeah. Or the gates of, you know, the entrance to the labyrinth, had that been outside, or any of it been outside, or the swamp had been outside, right? Everything feels very setty. Um, I enjoy the humor in it. I enjoy the creativity. Um, I enjoy the puppet work. I, I, I enjoy the overall design of a lot of stuff. I, I definitely enjoy the spots of humor. Um, and I do like the characters with the exception of the lead, and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Sarah is, a, is a, a real brat at the beginning of the movie, like a yeah. real brat. And, you know, I know what her arc is, but her arc completes the minute she decides she needs to get Toby back, right? That's the, true. The rest of the stuff is a man in his 40s lusting after a 16-year-old, and it's icky. It's icky. It's gross. But thankfully, she doesn't succumb, right? I mean, she remembers her line. Was that her overall arc, that she remembers the line? (laughs) She remembered that line she she was doing? Or the admission that she needs her fantasy characters in life. So we can look at it this way. All those characters are in her head. None of this happened. She's definitely going to a sanitarium at the end of this. And as I pointed out in my in our review and in, in the recap, ho oh, oh ho boy, did they draw inspiration from other fairy stories that yeah. had a female lead, namely, namely, the Wizard of Oz and Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, it's like they took them and combined them. The labyrinth doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Goblin City doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Where is this place? Where does it exist? How do you get there? Believe me, there are plenty of times where I said I wish the Goblin King would come and take you right now, and my brother still exists, but... (laughs) It's not real, man. None of it's real. But overall, I enjoyed myself. Um, You know, I think they could have made a different casting choice with Bowie, but Bowie's great. I really wish we didn't have a single song in this movie. I really do. The music doesn't really add anything. Well, here's the problem with it. They're obvious pop songs that have nothing to do with the plot. They're just kind of in the movie. And when you have songs like that, it really just, once again, it takes you directly out of the movie, and you're like, oh, okay. So I guess part of Bowie's contract was, I want these songs in this movie. Make them fit however they're going to get in there. And that's what they did. So... Overall, I still like it. I still like it. I haven't watched it in a long time. It was a fun. It was a fun movie to share with my kids when I was younger. 
um, in the hopes of one of them would become obsessed with puppets. None of them have. They look at their father like he's a fucking freak. Like, what is wrong with dad? They're just puppets, father. <laughs> oh, daddy. Stop putting Money. them on our pillows when we are asleep. Mommy saw you taking foam and felt in the other room. You're not doing it again, are you? I love how you did fucking, was it Zuzu from It's a Wonderful Life? Oh, daddy. <laughs> oh, daddy. I will say the best part about me and Toby, he has no memories yeah. of it. So I don't have to ask him a fucking thing about, about <laughs> He Labyrinth. doesn't have to tell Labyrinth stories. He's like, I was a fucking baby. But we all brought puppets. You know who I brought? To the panel? I'm going to guess Oswald. Yeah, it was Oswald. Yeah. And we got to switch puppets. He had <gasps> he had an original puppet from, uh, from <clears throat> a Henson-built puppet from this movie, from Labyrinth. So oh, cool. I actually got to puppeteer a Henson puppet. Brief. Oh, that's awesome. Brief. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Um, but even that, to the side, I'm not going to give this movie super high praise. Um, yeah. It's it's a, it's entertaining enough to keep you engaged, but it's there's something in this where it's kind of designed like an adventure, right? Yeah. But a lot of the adventure is her walking up to something, them talking, and then her walking on, right? It's very episodic. Here's the doorknobs, it's, talk, 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 comedy bit, move on. Walk up to Ludo, comedy bit, get him cut down, move on. And I would think that for an adventure story, there would be more scenes like the one in the Nubliette, whether being chased by the cleaners, that there was outright dangers and perils that they, yeah. that they had to face and get past. And the worst one is the bog of stench. And again, they're just trying to not smell bad. It's not like if <laughs> their they lives fall, aren't even being threatened. Yeah. If they put, even put a foot in the bog of stench, they smell bad. Not if you put a, a foot in the bog of stench, you're dissolved slowly in acid and you die. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> the threat is very kid book kind of yeah. threat. Well, you know what I mean. I, I think you know what what it made me think of, and I've I've thought of this a couple times as we've been talking about it too. It um it it makes me appreciate a movie like the princess bride even more mm -hmm. because the princess bride is, has a lot of similarities with this, especially with like the sort of, you know, set based fairy tale aesthetic, like a lot of scenes. I mean, the princess bride has a lot of scenes that are obviously shot outdoors as well, but sure. there, but there's a lot of princess bride that is clearly shot on sound stages. Um, and it has the same kind of, you know, fairy tale theater with a budget aesthetic. Um, but it has better jokes and it has a better emotional through line where you can identify more with the characters and actually develop an interest in what happens. Sure. You know, you watch The Princess Bride and you're not just appreciating it on a technical level. Actually, I think technically The Princess Bride is probably inferior to Labyrinth, but it it has it's funnier and you actually get to the point where you're like, oh, I, I hope that Wesley and Buttercup end up together. Yeah. You know, um, and you don't really get that with Labyrinth. No. So. No, you don't, because you don't feel the connection between her and Toby. No. She hates Toby, he disappears, now she loves Toby. Or at <laughs> She's least like, oh, she what feels responsible for him. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to recommend. I'm yeah, not going to say it's a classic, but I recommend. Steve, you recommend? 
I recommend, yes, I do. Good, two recommends. Yeah. Now's hey. the time where you have to not recommend something, Steve. I, and I told a small fib when we were talking in the, in the, the pre-show portion for our patrons. There was one more movie that I watched since the last time we got together to do this. And I didn't yeah. mention it because it is, it is the movie I watched and it is now going to be my not recommendation. We can talk um, about it after this for the patrons. <laughs> well, but, well, but so, so the movie I'm going to not recommend because I was trying to, I was, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm recommending the movie. So I'm going to not recommend something. And I wanted to find another kind of fantasy movie to not recommend. Um, so I found a movie, I sort of did a search, and I found a movie that, that I had never seen, but that sounded pretty bad. But I had never seen it, so I wanted to watch it first to make sure that, you know, it, didn't, it wasn't actually a good movie and I wasn't falsely, you know, not recommending something. So mm. I watched it, and it just so happened to work out kind of nice, because just as uh, Labyrinth is a movie that I am just barely recommending... As it turns out, the movie I'm not recommending is a movie that I'm just barely not recommending. Okay. Um, it actually reminded, my reaction to it actually reminded me a little bit of how I felt about the Lou Ferrigno Hercules that we did a while ago. Okay. Um, is, that, is that like, oh, if this had just been a little more toward like the crazy parts, I would have recommended it just for being fun to watch. Mm -hmm. The movie is, the movie, it's from, it's from uh, 1982 and it's called The Sword and the Sorcerer. Oh, I had never seen it. Yeah, I watched it. It's yeah. mostly not very good. Nope. But there is there are just enough scenes of like just crazy stuff that I can if there had been more crazy stuff and more, you know, sort of out there off the wall stuff, I could potentially see a universe where I would find the movie entertaining enough in like a it's, so bad it's good way that i will it's no but, your hunter from the future that's for sure <laughs> well the thing like there <laughs> there there are there are things in it that are like okay it's it's um as you can tell from the title it's a sword and sorcery film what um i know right and it stars uh lee horsley as like the the, the hero guy who's like this wandering uh warrior who of course also is looking to avenge the death of his father because his course. father was murdered when he was a kid um and he comes back to the place where he used to live and the guy who killed his father is now like the king and you know uh, is trying to take over the world and he has arrived just in time to stop him right um it's that kind of thing it's like it's it's dungeons and dragons horseshit yes it and is. uh and so i so I, I you know it loses me on that but there are like there are enough just nutty moments that make me want to like it more than I do. Like, <laughs> and, and, like there's, there's, there's one where, cause part, one of the subplots is there's like this, there's like this evil sorcerer who is brought back from the dead by the bad guy and is supposed to be the bad guy's ally. But then he eventually turns on the bad guy cause he has his own deal. He's going and he can like, he can disguise himself as other characters and he disguises himself as his other character for most of the movie. And then the princess who is, who the lead guy is supposed to rescue. She figures out that the bad guy is actually in disguise by uh -huh. trying to, by trying to knee him in the balls. Okay. And it, and it doesn't hurt him. You know, because uh, she's like, because he starts being kind of a creep to her and she's like, oh, yeah, we'll take this. And she knees him in the balls and he's just like, nope, 
You know, he just completely no-sells it. And then she knees him in the balls again and nothing happens. And she's like, what's going on? You know, and then like he takes, and then like he rips his face off and he's the evil guy. And but it's like, man, if there were more moments like that, that are just weird and funny and kind of nuts, I would probably like this movie. But as it is, there aren't enough of those. So I am not recommending it. So if you, if you like me are kind of marginal, but leaning positive toward Labyrinth, and you would like a movie that is in a similar genre where you are marginal but leaning negative <laughs> for me that movie is the sword and the sorcerer and also the guy has he has a sword that is a three-bladed sword that I is know, the dumbest Jesus. fucking it's thing dumbest i've ever seen thing. there's it, no way you can fight with that goddamn it, sword. it is completely impractical and the best part and again one of those details that makes me want to like the movie because it's so fucking dumb it looks like it's made out of cardboard it's made out of cardboard and he can shoot the extra blades at people that's right it's the dumbest fucking How? thing I've Who ever knows? seen. Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> How do, do we ever see him collecting them and putting them back together? Nope. nope. He just has the sword back together in the next scene. It's just, it's so fucking ridiculous. And I'm like, God, why couldn't it be more like this? <laughs> you know, but it's not. So that's my not recommend. The sword and the sorcerer. Yay. As you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed. And it's 1987. 87. 86. 86. And I had to find another fantasy movie. I just had to. I was looking through it. I was looking through it. And a lot of them were TV movies. And unlike Steve, I won't do TV movies unless I'm absolutely desperate. And then I saw one (laughs) that I had seen. And it asked the question, hey, Steve. Uh Uh-huh. You know what's missing from the, the classic tale of Aladdin? What is missing from the classic tale of Aladdin? Two things. A modern setting... Okay. And gangsters. Oh, I was just thinking the same. You know, when I saw the the Disney's Aladdin as a 12-year-old child, I thought, if only there were modern gangsters in this. That's right. And it was set in Miami, Florida. Of course. Where else are you going to set an Aladdin story? The movie I'm not going to recommend is an Italian-American film. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those are always good. Called Aladdin. Oh. And it follows the adventure of a person named... Al Haddon. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's as bad as all of that sounds, if not worse. And on top of that, it's boring. Oh. So if you get a chance, if you see, oh, Aladdin, and you click on it without looking at the poster or looking at any of the pictures, <laughs> and the year says 1986, you better turn that shit off real quick. <laughs> oh, no, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> That's right. You've made a terrible mistake. So don't see it. Aladdin. Hey, Steve. Wow. Yes, my friend. Hey, Steve, guess what? What? You haven't had to do this in a long time. Oh, no. It's time for me to make a terrible choice. It's time for you to make a terrible goddamn choice. You alone. You're not picking. You're not doing something based on what they sent in like this, like our patrons sent in. You're going to have to make this a fresh, brand new. I pick three movies. And you're gonna, you don't know what they yeah, are, and you're going to have to pick the next movie we're going to review. And if I pick the wrong one, it will rest on my head and my head alone. That's right. And they're all related. And you know how they're okay. related? How are they related? It's based on one of your foibles. Oh. One of your weaknesses. Too handsome. I, have, I know you've seen all of them. Ooh, regardless okay. of quality. Because you have a problem. Okay. Okay. All right. So, Steve, okay. you yes. must choose between A, B, and C. Um, 
I'm going to call it right down the middle and choose B. You have chosen wisely. Yes! Okay. Had you chosen A, and you're going to get what the common thread is in a second. Oh, oh great. Had you chosen A, we would review The Dark Knight. (gasps) Ooh. Not a bad movie. Not a bad movie. Quite a good movie, yes. Quite a good movie. Yes. Had you chosen C, we would have come to blows over Batman Returns. (gasps) Oh, okay. But you chose B. A movie that we know, I know we both agree upon. Yes. A movie that most fans know, but are seldom ever actually reviewed. The movie that we're going to review next is Batman 1966. <gasps> yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Wonderful. So, if you, want, you guys want to know what we're being idiots over on the next review, please watch Batman 66. I'm sure you can find it just about anywhere. Yeah. Starring the best Batman. <laughs> Pure West. Pure West. That's right. And the other guy. Whatever. Uh, the guy, guy who played Robin. Ward, I don't know. What's whatever. His name? He's still alive. Burt Ward. What am right. I gonna, he's the, he's am I the gonna sole survivor. <laughs> when am I going to play Nightwing? Uh, never, Bird. You're, you actually, you would make a great penguin right now. You know that, Bird? <laughs> so I've you're saying I got the part? As the penguin, sure. <laughs> All right, that's it. Thanks, you guys, for listening in. For Late Seating, this is Jason Harding, and see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives, and I'm going to give you all the same advice that, uh, that I used to follow when I had to look after my little brother when my parents would go out. So if you're ever in the situation where you have to babysit, just remember, just play it this way, okay? Go back to your room. Play with your toys and your costumes. Forget about the baby. Costumes? Yeah. You know, like, like kids. Every oh, Kids, they, you know, when you're a kid, you have your toys and your costumes that you like to no, play with. No, I had with. toys yep. as a kid. I had books no, you as know a how, kid. You know how, you know how when you're a kid. I had art supplies because I love to draw and paint and do you know, stuff like Yeah, that. but no, but you know how Puzzles, when you're a kid. Games. I had games in my room. No, but, but, but you know how when you're a kid, like a sure. kid, like, you know, 15 or 16, you know how you have like toys and costumes that you put on by yourself and yeah, you play, you put costume. on the costume by yourself and play in your costume by yourself. You know, like you I did when you were a kid. Never, ever, maybe for a few days after Halloween, so you're I saying might want to you wear my costume. So you're saying at age 16, you never dressed up in a costume and went outside and just played in costume all by yourself? No. What a Steve? weird kid you must have been. You must really? Have just, what, what did you dress up kid? as and, and, and prance around? Your front yard as Steve. Oh well, it would depend. I mean, I, I you know I was Batman sometimes. Uh-huh, sure. I was a I was a karate man. A karate man, great. Yeah, just That's, wear like a you karate. You just put on a, your karate outfit. Just karate outfit, because I okay. would be a karate guy. Yeah, I'm a karate man. You know, a guy with a karate outfit on. That's right, karate um, man. I had Stanley's a black, least favorite creation. I had a, I had a I wore a black belt, even though I'm not actually a black belt. So you're lying. But it doesn't matter. No, it's Mm -hmm. costume. It's costume. Okay, great. And it doesn't matter because you don't need to earn a black belt. You can just get one and put it on. Right. Okay. So you were Batman and Karate Man. Karate Man, astronaut. Astronaut? When did you have an astronaut costume? You know, when I was like 15 or 16 and I would go outside and play astronaut by myself. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, Civil War guy. Truck stop waitress. 
I mean, I outgrew that by the time I was 16. I think truck stop waitress was more like an 11 or 12 year old thing. By the time I was like a teenager, I was doing more mature stuff like astronaut, um, Batman. I noticed you haven't you know. said He-Man yet. No, He-Man. I didn't really start dressing up in my He-Man costume until I until I filled out a little. So college. So like college, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, you know, yeah. Wear like the the you know the 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 straw wig, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think your dad's home right now? Uh, I can check. No, yeah, this is. I'll, I'll check. It's okay. I'll oh, check. We'll check. Oh, okay. It's all right. Okay. 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 I'm, I just. Why do, you, why do you want to talk to him? No reason. I'm just curious as to have if you have any costumes at home right now. At home. Right now. You're gonna call my dad at his house and ask if I have costumes at, at home? No, no, no. I'm asking you right now if you have any costumes at home. Hmm. With me right now in my home? Yes, in your house. I might. Okay, okay. Why don't we say bye to everybody, all right? Okay. Can we say bye to everybody? Yeah, you want me to say it right now? Yeah, say bye to everybody. Okay. Bye, everybody. Okay. I don't know if we're having another show, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep you guys informed, okay? I realize that this is a man who has about 120 puppets in his garage, <laughs> narking out a man who still has costumes that he prances around in his front yard, but don't worry. I'm totally sane, and he's the nut job. All right, thanks everybody hey, for tuning. What, what? What were you whispering just now? I couldn't hear you. Nothing. All right, bye everybody. Late seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Lemmy Listen. And thanks for listening.